0: He's from the hard hitting world of ice hockey. She's from the red carpets of Tinseltown. Together, they are two of the leading executive producers in Hollywood, responsible for mega hits like Hoosiers, Sudden Death, and the Oscar winning Ray. A true sports and entertainment power couple. Meet Karen and Howard Baldwin. This is Pucks and Paparazzi with your host, Stephen Maggi. Howard Baldwin has owned teams in the National Hockey League and World Hockey Association. Karen Baldwin has been an actor and TV reporter. This is a real dynamic duo. Now, let's drop the puck and turn the lights. Here is the host of Pucks and Paparazzi, Stephen Maggi. Bruce McNall, you probably heard that name. He's
1: been involved in a ton of different things over a really interesting lifetime. Just one of those lives that they're going to make a story about. We're going to talk about that today. Want to start it out? The first time I heard about Bruce McNall, as a National Hockey League fan, he got in with the Los Angeles Kings and then brought Wayne Gretzky to L.A. We were just kind of talking about before we went on the air. Might be the most important thing that happened since the uh, six original teams went to 12. I mean, it just kicked off hockey. Bruce, when you did that, it was it one of those things that you felt to bring hockey to the next step, you kind of had to do that to get a guy like Gretzky, who was hidden in Edmonton. He was known by hockey fans, of course, but by the to be the real superstar that he ended up being? Uh, I don't think
2: it was a conscious thing at that moment. Uh, my
1: consciousness was, frankly, on the Kings
2: the only person that anybody knew in L.A. was Wayne Gretzky's name. Uh, I knew that I could bring, you know, because L.A., especially L.A., is all about, you know, celebrity. It's all about, uh, uh, you know, people who, who, who want to be seen. And, you know, so I thought Gretzky would help on that level. And also I thought he would sell tickets. And I thought he would also, um, you know, help in general our team win. That was my first consideration until – Really, the first almost week or so that that Wayne started playing, I realized, holy mackerel, his effect is really something. And then we began to take him on the on the road show we call it, so that you know uh, during the off season when we had preseason games, we would flip him to every city imaginable that might be, have a possibility of uh, of having a uh, a National Hockey League team. And of course, back in I think it was ninety or ninety one something like that. Um, I decided to try Las Vegas. So I had the first outdoor game ever in Las Vegas against the Rangers uh, at Caesar's Palace on the outside of Caesar's Palace, and we sold out. And I realized by that that there's really a, an, an interest in even a place like, uh, like Las Vegas. So that's how it all began, basically.
3: An outdoor game, like that kind of game in that kind of heat with people it had never been done before. It was a really out-of-the-box fun idea, and I think – Um, Part of what you see now in Vegas is people just loving the whole concept of the hockey. But I think originally the whole hype of that original outdoor game and it built momentum. And then certainly the city did what they had to do to make sure they had tickets sold and what have you. But I think Vegas probably has a team there, a good deal due to part of all of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know around town they talk about that event. I want to ask you, Howard, you know, as somebody who was involved in the NHL at that time, you had to be thrilled by this because this made all these franchises that were trying to start out and try to really begin an expansion thing much more viable, and everybody wanted to talk about
4: it. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's actually kind of interesting because when Bruce did the Gretzky deal, we were what I call between franchises. We had left Hartford and sold that, and were working on a deal San Jose and uh, not, you know, and and we were between and we were seeing ticket holders of the Kings. It was a short that short span between between teams, and I just as a fan and as somebody that had lived in the NHL for eighteen nineteen years, I just couldn't believe that he was able to pull it off. Uh, and, and and when I say it opened up expansion. And it opened up the West Coast, it truly, truly did. It's the most important deal, in my opinion, and thank God I can say this, I've been around a long time. It's the most important deal that the NHL has ever done, and not that the NHL did it, but it was an NHL deal, without question, in my mind.
1: Was it tough, Bruce, yeah. to go back to uh, Edmonton? Because that was one city that wasn't happy about it. But it, it was really for the greater good of the of the league.
2: No, it was great. The fans of Edmonton loved me, and they loved Gretzky. There was never a problem with them. Uh, they had a problem with Peter Popkin, but that, that's because you know. But from my standpoint, the, the fans were always great. and The people were always great because they thought this was a great way of um, of taking care of their Favorite son, so to speak, you know they they thought this was a great thing, and so I feel you know totally uh, every time I went there it was great from my standpoint
1: also the the players must have loved you because by giving Gretzky what he deserved in terms of what he brought to the sport versus other sports the the, the other hockey players had to love you because it was always the lower end of the salary scale, and you kind of showed that hey we're going we can bring people in and so forth. Players should get rewarded for that.
2: Yeah. However, it went it went haywire because what took place, and I got blamed for this. Howard did somewhat too because of the Lemieux. But the truth is, Gretzky filled seats. So all of a sudden, you have agents for mediocre players saying, "Well, he got a third of the number of goals that Gretzky got, so he should get the third of the money," which is ridiculous because the guy wouldn't put a, anybody in a seat. You know, it wouldn't right. add any value at all, and so. There was an error, and uh you know when I gave Gretzky the contract, I actually the story you probably already know it, but it was simply that I didn't know what to pay him, and, and Wayne said I don't know either. It's just that I I paid 15 million dollars for him, so I had to sign him to a new deal, and uh, I finally said, well, how about if you I pay you the highest price any athlete gets, which was Magic Johnson at the time, which is three million bucks, and he said that's way too much for hockey. Uh Give me two million and save a half a million for free agents, another half a million for bonuses and so forth, and uh, I said, okay, fine. And the one thing I did with his father, Walter, just passes, you know, um, I told his father that I'd always make Wayne the highest-priced pri- pa- player in the league. And, of course, my dear friend Howard signed Lemieux for a bigger number, so I had to pay Wayne a bigger number. And apparently Howard could speak to this. Apparently he had a deal with Lemieux that he'd be the highest paid play player. So we always had to keep, you know. Uh, it's good for the, the two of them. we check them all up. Yeah,
4: it was, it was, it was pretty good. Two of them, but thank God yeah. they didn't communicate a lot because otherwise, it would <laughs> no, have they been did not. Of... <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't yeah, think they but... liked
2: each other a whole lot. I mean, that's my gut. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. You guys like
1: hockey players, don't yeah. you? I mean, we've talked about it before, Howard and Bruce. I know from what the players used to get along great with you. It was really kind of a. I guess hockey players must just have appreciated the fact that these you guys were both owners that really believed in the game and, and, and pushed it beyond just uh, – I remember hockey back. I loved hockey. I still do. But I loved it back when I was growing up. But there'd be a few thousand of us that were really into it, and then the rest of it was if a, if a big name came in, it wasn't much. You guys really brought attention to the game as a whole and really kind of changed this development to, uh, I think – uh, something that was a, really a national game instead of this regionalized, uh, you know, wherever it snows and wherever I skated as a kid is the place we can have a hockey team.
2: Yeah, well, yeah. that's certainly the fact. I mean, that, that's what happened, and that's certainly the case, that uh, it, it expanded the world of, of that world and hockey world and so forth and, and brought it into the sport. And the players are great guys in the sense that they are very, usually most of them are very humble. Um, you know, they come from backgrounds, very, very background, backgrounds, including Europeans and so forth, but usually they, uh, they care about the sport themselves a lot. It's not all about the money usually with them. It's about winning and, and enjoying the, the game. And I think that they appreciate the fact that both Howard and I expressed that with them, that we cared about them as people as well, not just as, you know,
4: entities that we purchased. Well, an interesting point, and and Karen can speak to this as well, but Bruce, had been in the film business and made some great movies. And we'd been in the film business and made some, you know, whether they're great or not, they're good movies. And the fact of the matter is in the film business, the the stars are what bring, bring people, you know, to the seats. And in the hockey world, and I still think this is a problem for them today, but Bruce got and Karen and I got the fact that when you're trying to build rating with the electronic sphere of influence you need stars and you need to let them shine and and you know really and truly hockey gretzky lemieux really built the spn too don't kid yourself we did and it's Bruce got the fact stars and and that's la of all markets you've got to have a star well
3: And, and la is one of the few markets where steve when you'd go All of the celebrities wanted to sit on the glass, which, as you know, as a good hockey person, is not a great (laughs) scene as far as seeing the game. (laughs) But it got him two things. One, you're you're up close, you hear it, you smell it, you see it. But also, you are seen. So a lot of people would come to the games who were celebrities not only to see the game, but to be seen at the game. Um, And Bruce had a great – he had the Forum Club – which was sort of like a Studio 54 set up right in the arena. So before the game, there was always wonderful meals. During between the periods, people would come and, and go to chit-chat. And then afterwards, it was almost like you know like a disco back in the day. Um, so that it was really a place to come and hang out, to um, not only to see things, but to be seen.
1: You know, that's really a great point, because I right. think about it, like on The Tonight Show and those things, you never heard hockey mentioned, and then all of a sudden – it was, and it was around that, that club. You said the club forum and stuff. Suddenly, it became cool, yep. and, and you know. And yep. was was that part of the idea, Bruce? Or you again when you when you decided to bring him to LA? You were just thinking about making the team better, which it certainly did. Well, I, uh, yeah, I knew
2: that if I got a big star like that, as Karen correctly says, uh, it's very much like the movie business. If you don't have a star, you know, it's a tough sell. It's a whole lot easier if a big set uh, if you have a big star. And the forum club, Jerry Bus has uh, set that up. And at the time, he and I shared a table that had about 40 people. So during the uh, Laker games, he used it. The King Games, I would use it. And I would bring all kind of stars and, and celebrities. And, uh, and so. And after the game, I'd have the players come. If they won, they usually wouldn't want to show up if they lost. But if they won, they would come in after, afterwards, meet, the, meet some of the people, say hi to the celebs and so forth. And I knew that it would make it... You know, a hotter a hotter item if, if we could if we could do that, and uh, the forum club ended up being a perfect venue for that. As she says, it's uh, it ended up working out great for everybody.
1: You know, you guys all talk about uh, the importance of having th- those visible celebrities and so on. I mean, it's certainly important with the movie. You have to get somebody that can pull a great script is great, but if you don't have somebody that can deliver it, and this is sort of the same thing. And is that where you two became friends? Because you kind of, the three of you strike me as people that kind of think alike. You're, you have the same kind of interests and so forth. Was that just a natural development of a friendship?
4: Well, from, from our yeah. point of view, sure. I mean, we we loved Bruce from the time we first met him. And we had fun. We loved his spirit. And uh, we loved his entrepreneurship drive. Um, so it was, for us, it was just, Somebody that we immediately gravitated to because he's well, he's the best. He's the best friend you could ask for. So we've had a lot of fun together, and we ain't we are yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I in '86 I, I first bought half the team. I still own half with Jerry Butt. and Jerry said, "Go ahead and run the team." So the very first thing I did in '86 actually was to go to the uh, the the. A, a game at Hartford. I think it was the uh, All-Star game, wasn't it, Howard? And uh, yeah. and I met them, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I was very fascinated because I couldn't understand how Howard's ticket sales outgrow some of the biggest teams out there. I said, how's Hartford of all places? And so I turned to Howard as a mentor of how to do things like scaling the house properly uh, and all that. So I learned a lot from Howard in those days, and that's we became great friends from then on.
1: Yeah, it just it, it just seems like a, natu- a natural. I hate this word, but I'll use it. A natural synergy, you know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you guys have that interest, and it must be a kind of a cool thing too in terms of the movie business. I mean, you both had some great movies. I want to ask Bruce about one though. It just it wasn't going to be a huge film, and it ended up being almost a, it's a cultural icon, and that's Weekend at Bernie's. Was that something when they when oh, yeah. they talked to you about that, Bruce? Was that something where I was like, that sounds weird. But we all talk about it to this day, and people that haven't even seen the movie know about it. That's how good of, uh, it, <laughs> it is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, did not, I didn't realize it would be the cult thing that it, it ended up being. Uh, no idea. Uh, the films I was making at that time, for the most part, were aimed at, that age group, you know, the, the the late teens, and that they were buying the tickets, and so I used the various stars of that period, and uh, and uh, I did a lot with, uh, you know, I mean a lot a lot of the same guys, you know, Jonathan Silverman, you know, The Usual suspects yeah. I always use, and uh, and Weekend of Bernays was a funny script, and uh, and uh, it came to me uh, of all things through Victor Dre, who was the who is now the Uh, a a uh, uh, big-time club owner in Vegas and Los Angeles, both. Uh, At that time, he he was fiddling around with that. He he married various starlets and so forth, and and he brought me the script and the idea, and and we liked it and went from there, and I had no idea it was going to be that kind of a cult classic.
4: No idea. (laughs) The other one you did was uh, War Games. Yeah. Blame it it on real. That
3: was very popular as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The biggest grossing movie I had, in terms of actual grosses against cost, was a film, it was about a $6 million budget, mm-hmm. and it did about about $85 million at the box office back then, which was a lot of money, that was Mr. Mom. Yeah. That outgrossed every other film I ever did. Yeah.
1: Wow, and was so that one of those yeah. things, it, it just was a fit because... Michael Michael Keaton. That's right, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Was that just what? where he was yeah. the perfect person to deliver that uh, picture? Because I remember that too, it was something everybody was talking about.
2: Yeah, he ended up being the perfect guy. He he was a, a typical father with a great with a great uh, sense of humor, uh, and it all just you know came together great. Uh, of all people, it was Aaron Spelling that brought me the idea, the project. At that time, he wanted to use it as simply a uh, a kind of a, a backdoor entree into the television world, which was his strength, of course. Mm-hmm. And so he was going to use Mr. Mom. You know, and make it into a TV series, not knowing any of us knew it would be the kind of hit it became. And so that the TV thing went away when the, when the movie went through the roof. So it was a it was a funny story that way. Yeah.
3: If you want to do six degrees of separation, Michael Keaton's sister worked for us at the Penguins office for many many years. Oh, really? <laughs> wow.
1: That's that is- funny. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, there's, see wow. there's really only. Eight people on Earth. at yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys
1: do stuff that we out here listen to and go, my God, what, an int- what interesting lives and so forth. And I got to cover one thing, and then I want to talk about that uh, – developing series we have going which i think people will be fascinated by we want to get people ready for that but that is this i remember as a kid now everybody talks about baseball cards there's a guy in las vegas that just sold a big card a rookie card and it involves it all things but when i was a kid the only card i ever heard that was really worth a lot of value was this onus wagner card and bruce you owned it <laughs> So how did you ever get into that? I mean, I remember that was a big thing even when I was small. That card was so so rare.
2: Yeah, I basically I I you know I collected a lot of things in my youth. I I did stamps, I did coins, of course, and I did some baseball cards, not a lot. And uh, one day, uh, Sotheby's announced they were doing the sale, and the big sale happened to have the a Wagner cards. So I asked Wayne. I said to Gretzky and someone said, hey, Wayne, did you ever collect cars? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, that's one Oldest those car that's coming up for auction in New York and these. So we ended up in New York. I don't even know how we got there. I don't remember the details except that I think we were mainly drunk the whole time. <laughs> uh, so neither of us really remember a whole lot. But we ended up at the auction, and, you know, it was estimated for $100,000. I said, Wade, you go, I'm sure it's going to go for double that at least. I said, okay. So we get there, start bidding on it. And you know, got caught up in the whole thing, and 451,000 hours later, you know, we bought it, and everybody thought we were crazy. But I said to people at the time, and I say it to people now, if you buy the best of anything, whether that be a hockey a hockey player or a hockey card or anything, you won't you won't lose. And uh, you know, by way of interest, that card recently sold to the owner now of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, and he just turned down a a $20 million offer for the piece. I think he paid about twelve himself for it. Wow. So it's amazing what's happened. Yeah, amazing yeah. what's happened to that card.
1: Now, yeah, and what's interesting about that card, as opposed to some, some of these almost seem like manufactured, where they're trying to set up these type of things and so forth. Back that deal was just that Onus Wagner didn't want the tobacco company uh, selling his card, and there were so few. So,
2: But again, well, it, it's... As i told cool. Howard and Karen, for a long time, there's a lot... Currently, because of the COVID thing, and therefore some some reason or the other, the huge influx of bodies buying cards nowadays—it's yeah. a uh, rot with fraud. It's a million people in there buying crap. You know, arranging prices that are that are manufactured. It's just a mess. It's a moment. I think it's just—it's uh, a sad way to see the business go right now.
1: Yeah, it really It'll is. Change. But you know, I want to ask you guys one last question, and then we'll get into uh, the limited series. But you, all three of you, strike me as people that you're willing to take. You know, you got to be a risk t- taker to be successful. And I guess whether it's sports or whether it's film, it's it, the people that succeed are the ones that are willing to take a risk. Who knew that could have been? Uh, you know, some people thought Gretzky's career was on the down cl- decline. Actually, he he had a great tra- uh, series down there and so forth, but. Is that what it is, where you've you got to look at everything, not just where it's at then, but kind of seeing ahead five, ten years?
2: Well, well, I certainly think you need to have a have a perspective of things. And if you don't want to take a risk, that's a problem uh, with, with so many kids that I speak to today, you know, uh, in, that, in the sense that they have a – there's an inherent problem. Uh, they, they, they take – they go to college, and they have no reason why they're going. They don't know what they really want to do when they get out, uh, and there's no reason for them to really go at all. But they do because they're, they're pressured to do it understand and uh, and then the issue then they get they, out, know, they, they, they may get married or something they have kids all of a sudden you have you have, you have to make a you have to make your rent you know, and and you can't take the kind of risks that I took because I could lose everything I didn't care you know yeah. it just yeah. matter to me at the times uh, and that's the difference I think
1: yeah. How, yeah. About, how about, Howard, how about you? Because uh, people hear it, they go, he sounds kind of, uh, kind of conservative. And I go, actually, if you look at what, what you know, you and Karen have done, you guys have done all sorts of things that if they didn't work out, could have been, you know, could have put you back to square one.
4: Yeah, I would never describe myself or Karen as conservative. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, you have to take chances. And I think... Bruce and I and Karen look at things and see the glasses half full. I mean, we tend to be optimists and we tend to be, we tend to think the best of people. And um, I hope that never changes for all three of us because that's just our, our nature. Yeah. And we're still, I mean, I know Karen and I, and I know Bruce because we're, we see him all the time. We both think young and think Aggressively, um, well, what could we build today? Uh, and and that's fun. I mean, that's the spirit. I think that that um, is welcome in this country.
3: Yeah, and I mean, what's what's the downside, really? I mean, because honestly, if you reflect back on things, you often learn just as much from your mistakes as you do from your successes. So not everything's going to work out. You give it your best shot, and at least you can feel like. I at least rose to the occasion, you know, the challenge presented itself and and I went for it. It may not always work out, um, but you can at least feel really good about trying, you know?
4: A hundred percent right. I mean, there's a guy that Bruce and I and Karen know really well, a good guy, Tom Rich, who is, you'd have to say Bruce, right? He's a super agent in baseball. Yes, yes, yes. I remember we all are having drinks and Tom said, well, there's. Probably a lot of things we could have done that could have made us a lot richer, like inventing a widget or, the, or whatever. But we never would have had as much fun and had such a great ride by doing something like that, as, far as, as opposed to what we did do, was be in the spirit of film and adventure. There's nothing like it.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's close out That's today nice. about the series you're talking about. Because as I go through Bruce's life, it, it's fascinating. And there are ups and there are downs, but it's certainly not boring. It seems like Bruce's life is almost written for something, uh, either on the small screen or the big screen or whatever. Is that what you guys saw when you were uh, kind of thinking the concept together?
3: Absolutely. It's, it's um, he has achieved the highest level of success in. Several industries, not just one, you know, antiquities, art, horse racing, sports, film. I mean, you you name it, you know. Um, so it really is sort of almost a Walter Mitty where if you That's said right. to somebody, what kind of things do you like to do in your life? Most people would probably name at least one of the four or five things Bruce has done. But the four or five things he's done are all things people would identify as wanting to try.
4: Couldn't have said it better. Perfectly yep, said. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Exactly right. Howard yes. and
2: Karen—they came up with this idea to do this thing. I, I have very little, very little input except it's my life. But other than <laughs> that, I mean, it's their show. It's, it's, it's they're producing it. It's their gig. You know, they—they they are the ones that thought of it. They came up with it. Uh, you know, it's—it's it's, it's their deal. So I'm just sitting back here, and you know, they tell me what to do, I do it.
4: I don't know about that, Bruce. Now, come on. <laughs> I don't. know. <laughs> but but I can tell you his his story I continue to say, and I know Karen agrees with me, of all the projects we have, Bruce's story is probably our favorite one. Because if you ask around, people think of Bruce as the guy that did the Gretzky deal, which of course he did. But they don't understand that he was, you know, Harrison Ford and Raiders of the Lost Ark and then he was in in the uh, horse racing Business and he didn't just have a few nags hanging around the field eating hay. He had about I don't know two or three or four hundred horses and 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 one of the races. and one big big time races and competed in the, in, in all of them. And then he, then he, you know, we all know we've talked about what he did with the kings and and, and he made some of the most commercial movies that are out there and there are others that have made commercial movies but he's made just as many as the best
1: and, and even the things that didn't work out the way it was hoped to like the the whole thing with uh, rocket ismail but you know but uh, again there was a great cup championship so that's uh, that's that's the positive side but you know the CFL wasn't willing. I think they needed about three or four more Bruce McNalls to really do what uh, you know you were thinking of. And Bruce, was that one of those things where I'm, I'm sure you went into it hoping to make the CFL really c- almost competitive with uh, what was going on south of the border?
2: Well, there were two. There were two reasons for me doing this. Number one was that thinking that maybe I could bring attention to the CFL by getting rocket as mail and, 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 and uh, high-powered, very high-celebrity owners with uh, Candy and Gretzky and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I thought that would maybe do it. Uh, I, I don't think I took into account as much as I should have the conservative nature of Canadians in general. They just are not big players, if you want to call it that. I don't know. And, uh, and, and uh, my second reason, of course, was Toronto was the largest city in North America with no NFL team. And, uh, and I know at that time there were a lot of, a lot of interest in expansions of locations. So I thought I might be able to suck the NFL in. So for example, I had the Cleveland Browns play, uh, in the, in the Sky Dome, an exhibition game. I think it was against, I forgot what team it was against, but some other team and it sold it out. And, uh, we were very, very close to making a deal, uh, to bring the Browns to, the the, the Sky Dome and and, and turn it into an NFL thing because I owned all the rights to any football there. So if they, if they did this, I would have owned an NFL team, which would be nice. Uh, (laughs) unfortunately, uh, you know, again, you know, and I knew this was going, I knew this going in, but I thought maybe I could overcome it. You know, Buffalo was was not, was was not going to have any part of that. And I, you know, Buffalo, I thought, my God, Buffalo is such a, you know, a backwater city, for God's sakes. Maybe I could talk him <laughs> into it, but it didn't work. It didn't so, work. So
3: far, we've, so far, we've alienated Canadians and Buffalodians.
2: <laughs> that's what you start with. Wait, that's what you start with. You know, let's face this. And here can tell you why I really went to these other businesses and why it was so hot, because, you know, all I knew as a kid was that girls all like movies. They like sports they like (laughs) celebrities so that let me fill that in you know
1: you know it all comes back to that doesn't it doesn't it bruce it all comes back to that it's either you play play an instrument you know be an entertainer of some type or be a sports star (laughs) because not having been either one i always was jealous of that
2: (laughs) yeah believe me that that that's that's the answer i I can
4: guarantee you that oh god well Well, i'll tell you this it was a hell of a lot more fun back in Bruce's day when he was running the Kings and we were running the Pens or Hartford. It was a lot more fun in that day. Everything's become very, very corporate. And, uh, it's a it, business it, now, for
3: sure.
1: It's a, yeah, it's part of life, unfortunately. Yeah. Success, that's the same thing with the NFL. It gets to the point where it's just so corporate and makes a lot of money, but you lose a lot of the fun. Well, what what a fascinating time just whipped by here. We're going to have to bring Bruce back and do more of this. Maybe we'll just kind of look at the future and kind of put our crystal balls together. uh, And I imagine Bruce is... As long as you're going, you're going to be looking for opportunities. It's just who you are.
2: <laughs> exactly. That, that, that's the nature of the beast. Exactly right. Like we're not.
1: Well, Bruce, thank you again for being it's with great. us. And we're going to do this again. That was you're a lot welcome. of fun. Thank you very much.
4: Happy we to got it. it. We had please a great not. time. Thanks, Bruce. You Thanks, Thanks a lot.
1: Next time on Pucks and Paparazzi, Howard and Karen will discuss one of the greats ever in the world of hockey. Gordie Howe. The Howe family played for the Baldwins in the WHA and were involved in a movie about Howe's 1973 return to playing hockey with the new Houston Arrows of the World Hockey Association. The movie, titled Mr. Hockey The Gordie Howe Story, premiered in 2013 and was a big hit in Canada. That's next time on Pucks and Paparazzi. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Maggi.
0: You've been listening to Pucks and Paparazzi. Join us next time for a fun, unique look at the worlds of sports and entertainment. Thanks for listening.